If you enjoy listening to Voices in Cloud, check out David Linthicum's reports on gigaohm.com. They're about data complexity and cloud solutions, addressing many of the topics covered in this podcast series. Hey guys, welcome to the Gigaohm Voices in the Cloud podcast. This is the one place where you hear from industry thought leaders providing no-nonsense advice on how to succeed with cloud computing, IoT, edge computing, and cognitive computing. I'm Dave Linthicum, best-selling author, speaker, Executive and B-List Geek, and joining me today is our special guest, uh, Gordon Davey. And Gordon, I'm going to have you introduce yourself because I thought your uh, your bio on LinkedIn was was very humbling, but it uh, didn't tell me a lot about what you're doing currently. Sure. Yeah. Happy to, David. Well, thanks for for having me on, first of all. Uh, Yep. So my name is Gordon Davey. Uh, Right now, I'm the head of cloud architecture, a large uh, insurance brokerage and and consultancy organization. Uh, My 20-year career in IT has spanned a number of different things. Uh, I've worked vendor side, service providers, probably for most of it. And uh, two years ago, I made the switch to the other side of the desk and I jumped into an interesting corporate IT role and thought I should roll my sleeves up and start actually doing what I've been talking about and telling other people to do for so many years. So so that's that's really my role is to, to evangelize cloud within the, the corporate space and to really help enterprises drive in that direction. So what have you been working on lately? What are the kind of the top three uh, things that you deal with as a cloud architect in your organization? Yeah, so, so we have a, a really interesting organization due to its uh, diversity. Uh, we uh, were formed from a, a large merger of two almost equal size organizations. And across that, there's 30 odd, 35 different lines of business. And what makes it really interesting is a lot of those lines of business came from acquisitions and they're all very different. So we've got this massive diversity of maturity level, of capability level in some case, uh, of uh, interest in going to the cloud uh, and willingness to look at new forms of uh, development, uh, approaching DevOps as an, an approach. Uh, so lots of diversity. At one end of the spectrum, we've got uh, a couple of lines of business who have been using cloud actively for five or six years and have got lots of experience and uh, have been working hands-on, particularly in Microsoft Azure, uh, for, for a long time. We've got others at the completely opposite end of the spectrum, have been in an on-premise data center for years, uh, have relied entirely on a corporate IT department to do everything for them, and are are very nervous about cloud, and then everything in between. So we've been balancing uh, across that real diversity across the organization, trying to help the organization move to the cloud uh, with all that variety in there, and really begin to take more ownership of what they do as they transition and, and modernize it at the same time. So, you know, we didn't want to just lift and shift lots of bad practices or lots of technical debt with us into the cloud. So how can we bring all of those factors together? Uh, so, so that's been a really interesting journey and, and really wrapping governance around that and making it enterprise ready and enterprise class has been a really interesting journey over the last couple of years. So speaking of governance, it's it's funny, I do a lot of uh, LinkedIn videos, LinkedIn Learning, which is lynda.com. And uh, the video I did on cloud governance is probably hit more than uh, than most of them out there. And also a lot of the uh, reports that I write on cloud governance are just hit on GigaOM a ton and as well as the InfraWorld column, things like that. So kind of a poor man's focus group. This seems to be an area of focus that I don't think the mainstream uh, tech press has kind of picked up on. 
and everybody, my clients and my friends and, you know, people who are thought leaders in the space seem to be focusing on this as really kind of a core enabler. And I think it is. I think it's probably one of the most important cloud computing technologies that we have to face going forward. So give us your experience with cloud governance and tell us what you're working on currently. Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned just earlier, we are focusing on Microsoft Azure as our primary cloud platform. Uh, we have uh, that diversity that I talked about, and that diversity not only is on maturity levels, but some parts of our organization uh, have got compliance requirements that, that are, uh, are fairly strict, others don't. Uh, so there's a lot of difference compliance requirements and the governance needs to play into that. So we needed a flexible model that would allow uh, different parts of the organization to ensure that they were uh, adhering to the standards that they needed to, to be meeting those compliance requirements, and others that just wanted a lot more agility, a lot more flexibility, but at the same time wanted to have some level of assurance that what they were doing was still secure, still met best practice, uh, still was going to, to not cause problems uh, and, you know, worst case scenario, cause some kind of data breach because in a lot of cases, those, those teams those application teams hadn't been previously uh, responsible for managing their security perimeter uh, or managing any of those best practices around that. So yeah, we, we put in place a, a whole variety of things from you know best practice guidance, uh, you know reference architectures, really giving some strong uh, underlying foundations to how teams are going to approach the use of cloud. We put in uh, solid training schedules for different teams to make sure we upskilled them and and they knew what they were doing. Uh, but probably most importantly, we wanted to have some kind of central visibility uh, and control of, of what teams were doing out there in the cloud. And to some extent, that clashed with the whole DevOps approach. We were wanting them to take more responsibility and to take more ownership of the operations. But at the same time, uh, to be a good uh, corporate uh, IT department, we, we felt we couldn't just let them go and, and make the mistakes. Obviously, we had to make sure it was secure. So that was something we really struggled with at first and, and had to dig around with a lot of different tools to, to find the, the right way to do that. Yeah, there is a, a kind of a conflict between DevOps and kind of the notion of, of governance. But the thing is, at the end of the day, you know, as I'm building DevOps organizations and tool chains, things like that, the developers kind of realize the value of putting up guardrails to ensure that they don't, you know, do something that's going to be, um, you know, put the systems at risk or, you know, take too many CPUs, cost governance, the ability to kind of put, you know, API governance around who can access it and what times of the day and what they can do and how many resources they can do and also the links with governance and security. So it is kind of an initial pushback. You know, as you said, that's been my experience. However, I think quickly, and as long as there's some good training and people can explain it easily, there's a huge synergy and a huge, huge positive impact that governance can have on DevOps. Are you finding that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the reality is no application team wants to develop an insecure application or one that's a, a resource hog and, and costs a lot. They all have that that end goal in mind that they want, they want to be good corporate citizens. They want to build the best application they can and, and do that as quickly as possible and respond to the market. But but they want it to be secure, of course. Uh, nobody wants to be seen letting the team down in that regard. So uh, there is that balance to be had. Uh, and I think we've very much found that the way we had to approach that, I had to take that into account. So no. So at the same time, while they want to achieve that security and good best practice, no application team wants someone coming in and telling them 
what they're doing is is wrong or or coming in as you know the overlord that, that thinks they know best. So uh, we actually deliberately made a decision early on. A very simple thing, you know, names can, can make the, the hugest difference, but rather than calling our centralised cloud team the cloud centre of excellence, which seems to be the, the kind of industry standard term, uh, we felt that that seemed very you know, ivory tower. We know what we're doing. We're coming in and we're just you know telling everybody else what to do. We decided not to go with that route. Instead, we called our centralised team the cloud enablement team. Subtle difference, but it was all about enabling those lines of business to make the best decisions, to have the right architectures in place, to have the right approach to security uh, and, and architecture. And that was so much better received across the organization. Uh, teams were willing to let us come in, that there wasn't this perception that we were a gate in the process or we were uh, telling them what they were doing was wrong, but instead we're standing there beside them, helping them upskill and really helping them along that process. So that's that's definitely helped. Yeah, it is a collaboration approach that needs to occur between the cloud team and the dev de development team and the ops team and the security teams and things like that. And it is a bit of a, a struggle because in essence, we're reinventing the enterprise as well as, you know, reinventing the organization as well as kind of, you know, leveraging new technology and, and, and basically in technology, we need to bind onto that technology, new database approaches, governance, security, things like that. So what, what advice would you give on a, a enterprise, you know, very much like yourself that's on the journey in a cloud and is really realizing there needs to be some retraining, some reculturing, which is a huge issue. And uh, some really kind of resetting of expectations on how people can, you know, drive cloud in the uh, drive cloud into the future and do so productively. Yeah, uh, so I think the first thing that, that has to happen and we had to do was set a, a good understanding of what the underlying principles were for using a cloud platform. That, that sounds very basic and very simple, but just to have that level set across the organization, because we had uh, that, that diversity in the organization as well, we had some teams at a different maturity level who were who felt they were completely upskilled, were ready to just go at it uh, and, and start using the cloud uh, full time for all of their, their infrastructure and you know wouldn't need any assistance. We had other teams that were very nervous and were still wanting some kind of central support and to do some of those tasks that had always been done for them. So we, we knew we were going to have this blended operating model, at least initially, until we got uh, all the teams up to speed. So to achieve that, we had to have a, a base, a level set of, of what the principles were going to be for using cloud. And we took that down to a, a very simple level initially, uh, created a, a list of policy documents that were just simply a single A4 page that defined what we meant by a certain task. So something as simple as you know, uh, patching. You know, they're looking at moving IaaS virtual machines, virtual machines into the cloud, running in an IaaS model. And uh, how is that patching going to be done? And you know, what is the, the patching level that needs to be maintained? How do you do backup in cloud? How do you do monitoring? All those simple tasks that historically had often been done for teams in the data center by corporate IT, they had to pick up that baton and start doing it. Or maybe there was going to be that central team that would help them initially on that, that journey. Before we could start any of that, we had to level set as to what it all meant. So, so those principles were really important. And that then let us build a, a variable operating model on top of that. So it meant that when we went to a team and we said, are you going to be patching all of your virtual machines in cloud? 
then they knew what we're talking about. We're all on the same level. There wasn't any confusion. And uh, we almost put in place uh, contracts, if you want, service level agreements between the line of business and corporate IT. Not not as strict as that, but effect, effectively that, which meant that we could have that, that governance and assurance that everybody was on the same page. And when one team said they were going to be being responsible for patching or backup, we knew what they meant by that. So that was a huge help. And then getting the right tool in place that helped us to, to have visibility of that and make sure that teams were actually doing what they said they were going to do. Uh, there's you know, a lot of third-party tools out in the market. We looked at a number of them. Uh, we've actually... Uh, settled in the meantime on using the, the native tool within Azure. So we're using Azure policy and putting in place uh, a, a really good governance, technical governance model that gives us visibility into making sure teams are adhering to those policies. And that can be everything from a security aspect, you know, making sure there's no virtual machines out there that have a public IP address and are exposed directly onto the internet, right through to kind of cost management, you know, making sure that there's certain very expensive virtual machine types are not just being spun up left, right and center and, and the cost going out of control. So going forward, you know, we have this challenge ultimately that we have to, uh, in essence, grow innovation, grow agility, grow compressed time to market. Do, do all these really quite core benefits that cloud really has? And 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 I think what you're getting at it is kind of a trade-off in terms of our ability to do that, which I think we can do if we have a good governance layer in, in place that's automated, abstracted, and easier to use. But that's the challenge, right? So we're growing into yeah. more complex environments, complex architectures, complex data, data models, federated databases that exist in the cloud or on-premise. We have to bind them together using an abstraction layer. We have to deal with security that's holistic to the majority of the systems out there, like identity access management, things like that. So the only way you're not going to end up in an insane asylum, ultimately, is to you know, think in terms of how we're going to automate these things. So what are some of the best practices that are emerging in terms of governance automation, security automation, ops monitoring op automation, things like that? So, yeah, there's a number of things we're seeing. Uh, as you say, automating it is going to be very important. Uh, so for those teams that are lifting and shifting a lot of what they're doing today into cloud, and despite our best efforts of trying to modernize, there's still some teams that, that are doing that because they need to, then that becomes much harder. But for the teams that genuinely are modernizing the, their applications, then you know, really driving uh, a lot of that earlier in their whole, uh, their whole life cycle, uh, earlier in their dev chain, uh, and making uh, that an automated part of their build process has been hugely important. So, uh, you know, automating security early in the process so they're not leaving that to the last minute. You know, I know there's a lot of buzzwords out there around that, again, DevSecOps and, and those kind of things, but actually making that happen has been fundamental to us, uh, bringing that agility into the conversation. You know, if you're, if you're building your application in an agile way uh, to some extent, but you know, not checking the security until you're ready to go live, it just becomes a huge gate and, and is going to slow down everything. So it's that whole old adage of you know looking for the, the pinch point there making sure that, that you you're looking at the full end-to-end -end process so automating that bringing it earlier in, in the whole build process so that you know, every time an application team is sending a new build it goes through automated checks scans for security vulnerabilities uh, is, is doing that code checking static code analysis etc is a huge benefit in actually bringing forward the agility at the other end of the process there there are 
absolutely uh, some good automated solutions around monitoring and uh, they're bringing more intelligence into what's being done. So what the, the real benefit we've seen in that side is, again, those teams that had uh, lower, uh, starting from a, a lower skill base on the operational side, who had just been developers and relied on corporate IT to do everything for them. As we see, uh, a lot of those monitoring tools beginning to bring, you know, things like AI and intelligence into that and they're actually correlating a lot of the information across the environment and popping up alerts that, that those teams would never have noticed before or not been able to interpret properly. They can now understand what those alerts mean because it's a bit more uh, normal everyday language that they're seeing rather than having to dig into logs. They can respond to that much quicker and uh, yeah, it just makes it a much simpler process for them. So last question is kind of more selfish in nature as well. So in other words, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're going to write a report on governance in the cloud, you know, what are the, some of the top three topics you would cover and what, what would you want to learn that's not out there already? So if I was writing for more, I'd already experienced, I think a, a number of the things we've already covered, you know, setting those underlying principles up front uh, would, would be right up there, making sure you've got a tool set in place that can then validate that those principles are being met has uh, been hugely important. Uh, and then actually agreeing that operating model, I think for me would be number three and, and working out how you're going to go about that with the business. Because teams that have not been used to operating in that day DevOps model is a, a real jump for them and making sure you, they understand what that transition is going to be uh, has been hugely important for us. So th that's the kind of three areas I would focus on on my historical experience as to where we are today. Uh, going forward, uh, I think that there still is uh, a gap from the security side, particularly when it comes to adopting more PaaS and serverless solutions going forward uh, in particular. So how we can properly uh, get a, a good visibility of that. Uh, and when that's, particularly when that's deployed, you know, a lot of security tools are still very focused on traditional infrastructures, which translates reasonably to an IaaS type deployment when teams are just lifting and shifting. But when teams begin to truly modernize their application, whether it's even containerization to some extent, but definitely down the serverless route. How do you put governance around that in a proper way? What are the right tools that are out there to do that? For me, it still seems to be a bit of a either a gap in the market or maybe just a gap in my knowledge. That's entirely possible as well. But uh, that, that's really where we are now beginning to look and beginning to work. Yeah, I find that people are cloud architects, CTOs, you know, chief cloud, um, chief cloud officers, things like that. All these new titles that are out there kind of live in fear of the serverless container world just because we can build things so quickly. And so in other words, yep. we have shadow IT that can not only go out and get a, a salesforce.com account or other SaaS provider account, which is, you know, kind of a bit more innocuous than someone who's not actually build things and, and move data and is dealing with things at the raw level, which has potential for causing disaster. And I think that is very difficult, you know, to, to, um, you know, get a rope around those people and ultimately, it, in the in the corral, the fact that they need to, in essence, you know, operate in a centralized infrastructure, centralized security, centralized governance, things like that. So, final guidance: uh, What would you tell the enterprises to go off and do in a couple of sentences as far as dealing with uh, governance? Uh, make sure you have a plan. Uh, don't just let teams go off and do their own thing. Uh, 
that you want to drive agility, absolutely, but that there still does need to be some oversight at the centre. Make that as as uh, slim as possible. Make it as automated as possible, uh, and so that those teams can get that agility they're wanting. But at the same time, don't just assume that the people that have never had operational responsibility before will simply know what to do. Uh, that they do need to be uh, trained and upskilled in that area, so they're going to be successful. Well, I couldn't say it better myself. We'll just, we'll end it there. And that's a great note. So anyway, please pick up a copy of my book, Cloud Computing and So Convergence, available on Amazon and other places books are sold. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter at at David Linthicum, L-I-N-T-H-I-C-U-M, as well as LinkedIn, where I have several cloud computing courses on LinkedIn Learning. Uh, so Gordon, uh, what would you like to share with the audience as far as getting a hold of you? Yeah, I'm more than happy to have conversations with people. I'm active on Twitter uh, at GordonCloud uh, and on LinkedIn as well. Uh, so people are more than uh, welcome to reach out to me there. Love to have conversations with folks. Yeah, reach out to Gordon. He's actually doing it. So, so everybody else is talking about it. Gordon's actually a practitioner trying to make it happen. So he's a warrior uh, in the cloud computing world. So if you enjoyed this episode of Voices in the Cloud, please check out the other ones. Also, uh, removing hybrid cloud and multi-cloud complexity is a focus of report that I wrote for GigM Research. If you're interested in finding out more about talking IT, taking IT to the next level, download a, the, a single report or, and subscribe to GigM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies. So until next time, best of luck in building your cloud computing solutions. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Cloud, please check out the other ones. Removing hybrid and multi-cloud complexity is the focus of a report that David wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about taking IT to the next level, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.